Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Stephen, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How you doing today, Jim? I am doing great. How about you? I am outstanding, my friend. I got a question. Um, I live on a zero lot line property, and my backyard from my sidewalks to the zero lot line to the neighbor, the yard trails off about. Oh, I, I lost you after you said my backyard. It, my backyard, um, it, the the yard itself, it slopes off towards the zero lot line. Okay. So what I was wanting to do was I was wanting to build a retaining wall about eight feet from the property line uh-huh. and build it up, and then that way I could flatten out the backyard. Sure. But but my problem is a couple questions. Do I need to run drainage underneath it so that it comes out of the retaining wall, one? And two, do I need to put any kind of type of retainer back in from the retaining wall into the ground when I do it. How tall a wall do you think it's going to take? It's going to be about two and a half feet. Then, yes, you'll have drainage behind it. And really, depending on what material you use to build the wall, if you use the uh, stones that that they can stack, you know, the blocks that are made for doing retaining walls, uh, Headwaters carries a lot of those. Uh, you would simply put gravel, like pea gravel, behind it, wrapped in a fabric, you know, to keep the sand from sifting into it. Uh, and that in itself is really all you'd need to do because the moisture would go through the gravel and, and it's able to come out through the different stones without putting too much pressure to push the wall over. Now, if you get where you're going, you know, four feet plus, then you get into having to have other things done, and beyond that, you really get, you really need to have them engineer designed when you get up that high. But for something two and a half feet, uh, with those blocks that are designed for it, you wouldn't have any problems. Okay, so when you now, say pea gravel wrap, wrapped in fabric, you mean the entire span up of the wall? Yes. Now, yeah, you okay. you you leave the top like four to six inches without it. So that you have topsoil up there that can grow grass, right. but uh, yeah, the rest of it is is you need to have rock behind it. And, and the and rock, I what it does, what the rock does is, as moisture travels through the soil, it hits the the gravel, drops down, and is able to pass through this the uh, blocks that you have stacked there without putting pressure on the wall to move it. Okay, and and with that with that pea gravel behind it, how deep should that be from the the actual wall itself? Six inches. Yeah, six to twelve inches. Six to twelve inches. So, do six to twelve inch wrap pea gravel, then do the retaining wall in front of it, and then backfill the dirt to level off. Well, typically, typically what you do is you're going to dig first a, a trench along where you need the retaining wall. Make sure it's nice and flat. And if you look at the different instructions that they'll that are available, a lot of them will say you can use a limestone base or pour a concrete base, whatever. You, but it's got to be nice and flat all the way along. 
what I personally like to use is I just use sackcrete. And I, I okay. put that down in there, pack it dry. I don't put water on it. And then I'm able to stack my blocks up. And the reason you want to make sure that is just nice and flat, once you start setting your blocks, if you got to start adjusting the blocks, it's a pain. So if you get the, if you put your time into getting that uh, base nice and flat, your blocks, you just start setting them in place and stacking them up, and you're done. It goes real quick. Uh, going two and a half feet, I would recommend you have about three quarters of one of the blocks, the first block, underground. Underground, right? And yeah, so and basically, you're going to have the ground away from, dug out from behind the blocks a little bit. So. You know, start stacking your blocks, and then after you're up two or three block high, that's when you can add your pea gravel behind it. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. And uh, one quick, one more quick question on this. Um, sure. I actually saw one the other day going down the road, and when they stack their bottom block, as they stack blocks up from the bottom, they brought it back like half an inch as so that it kind of graded back towards the, the it all depends on the blocks that you use. Some of them are made where you where you have to stack them back like that, uh, and they got little lips to keep them from sliding. Others uh, use a fiberglass pin, and that pins them together where you can go straight up. So it just okay. depends on the blocks that you choose. Well, I was just asking because of, I, mean, I know that the pressure of the ground is going to come forward. I figured that back grade would kind of beat some of that back. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, I personally, uh, on my office, I used the one with the fiberglass pins, and I came up uh, about four feet. And I've had that office built now for, well, I built it in 96. Wow. No, I didn't. I built it in 06. 06. So 10 years. And uh, I've got, yeah, and I've got the parking lot on top of it, and it's all fill behind it. Because I, the property when I bought it was low and I filled it in, and that's that is the worst case scenario for retaining walls, uh, and I have not had any issues at all with movement of that wall. Outstanding. Well, Jim, I appreciate your time. You have a great weekend, buddy. You as well, Stephen. Take care. Again, our number. How tall a wall do you think it's going to take? It's going to be about two and a half feet then yes, you'll have drainage behind it. And really, depending on what material you use to build the wall, if you use the uh, stones that, that they can stack, you know, the blocks that are made for doing retaining walls, uh, Headwaters carries a lot of those. Uh, you would simply put gravel, like pea gravel, behind it, wrapped in a fabric, you know, to keep the sand from sifting into it. Uh, and that in itself is really all you'd need to do because the moisture would go through the gravel and, and it's able to come out through the different stones without putting too much pressure to push the wall over. Now, if you get where you're going, you know, four feet plus, then you get into having to have other things done. And beyond that, you really get, you really need to have them engineer designed when you get up that high. But for something two and a half feet, uh, with those blocks that are designed for it, you wouldn't have any problems. Okay, so when you now, say pea gravel wrap, wrapped in fabric, you mean it, the entire span up of the wall? Yes. Now, you, you, okay. you, you leave the top like four to six inches without it. 
so that you have topsoil up there that can grow grass. Right. But uh, yeah, the rest of it is, is you need to have rock behind it. And, and the and rock, what it does, what the rock does is as moisture travels through the soil, it hits the, the gravel, drops down, and is able to pass through this, the uh, blocks that you have stacked there without putting pressure on the wall to move it. Okay, and, and with that with that pea gravel behind it, how deep should that be from the, the actual wall itself? Six inches? Yeah, six to 12 inches. Six to 12 inches. So do six to 12 inch wrap pea gravel, then do the retaining wall in front of it, and then backfill the dirt to level off. Well, typically, typically what you do is you're going to dig first a, a trench along where you need the retaining wall. Make sure it's nice and flat. And if you look at the different instructions that they'll that are available, a lot of them will say you can use a limestone base or pour a concrete base, whatever. You, but it's got to be nice and flat all the way along. What I personally like to use is I just use sackcrete, and I I okay. put that down in there, pack it dry. I don't put water on it, and then I'm able to stack my blocks up. And the reason you want to make sure that is just nice and flat once you start setting your blocks if you got to start adjusting the blocks it's a pain so if you get the if you put your time into getting that uh, base nice and flat your blocks you just start setting them in place and stacking them up and you're done it goes real quick uh, going two and a half feet I would recommend you have about three quarters of one of the blocks the first block underground underground right and yeah so and basically you're going to have the ground away from dug out from behind the blocks a little bit so you know start stacking your blocks and then after you're up two or three block high that's when you can add your pea gravel behind it oh okay okay all right and uh, one quick one more quick question on this um sure. i actually saw one the other day going down the road and when they stack their bottom block as they stack blocks up from the bottom they brought it back like half an inch as so that it kind of graded back towards the, the, the top. It all depends top. on the blocks that you use. Some of them are made where you where you have to stack them back like that, uh, and they got little lips to keep them from sliding. Others okay. uh, use a fiberglass pin, and that pins them together where you can go straight up. So it just okay. depends on the blocks that you choose. Well, I was just asking because of, I, mean, I know that the pressure of the ground is going to come forward. I figured that back grade would kind of beat some of that back. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. I personally, uh, on my office, I use the one with the fiberglass pins. And I came well, up uh, about four feet. And I've had that office built now for, well, I built it in 96. Wow. No, I didn't. I built it in 06. Oh six, so oh, ten years, and 10 uh, years. I've good. got, yeah, and I've got the parking lot on top of it, and it's all fill behind it because I, the property when I bought it was low and I filled it in, and that's that is the worst case scenario for retaining walls, uh, and I have not had any issues at all with movement of that wall. Outstanding. Well, Jim, I appreciate your time. You have a great weekend, buddy. You as well, Stephen. Take care. Jeff and Irving, how can I help you? Uh, yes, thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, I'm having a problem with the air conditioning in the house. 
And uh, I'm not sure if I've got one problem or two for that matter. The the metal facing where the drain pipes come out is is sweating, uh-huh. and the drain pipes themselves are sweating a lot, such that they're dripping onto the board below it. Yep. And then the the I think it's called a plenum, the thing after that that's wrapped in in insulation. Uh-huh. The bottom of that insulation is soaked. Yep. And um, I'm not really sure if that's one problem or two, and I'm not, I don't know what's causing well, it. It's really one problem, and what's causing it is the attic is so hot, you got cold air blowing through those vent pipes. They're sweating and literally water running down. Uh, Mike, if you'll hold on just a second, I've got to take a real quick break, and we're going to come back and address that a little more here on Texas Home Improvement. Welcome back. So I've got two units up in the attic, and only yep. one of them has this problem. Yeah, and and the main reason it's having it is either the insulation that's on there is too thin, or, and it sounds like this is the or situation on yours, you've got bare metal that is exposed to the attic air. So as the cold air from the unit blows through it, it starts sweating, and that sweating then starts getting on to the area that does have insulation, starts ruining that insulation, and it's just kind of moving this problem further and further along. Okay, so that would cover the plenum that's wrapped in insulation, and it does have a hole in the insulation on the bottom. Yeah. But what about the part that that really on the outside has no insulation? I mean, it's bare metal. It's where the the drain pipes come out, uh-huh. that's supposed to have insulation on it as well? No, it, it, it's, it's really not. But, you know, it's getting so hot right now that that temperature variance is causing some of these issues. Now, a lot of times on the inside of that door, there would be some insulation. So you need to have it checked out to, to see if there's something that's missing on the inside. Uh, Give Advent Air a call. Let them take a look at the unit just to make sure everything is functioning the way it should. Alan in Terrell, how can I help you today? I am uh, considering doing the uh, radiant barrier spray-on material in my attic. And this is a house. It's only uh, 1,900 square feet, something like that. It's a pretty small house. In any event, um, the spray-on material uh the company that wants to do this is looking at a fee of something like forty four hundred dollars to do that uh and to spray in some insulation the insulation that's there is uh i think 12 inches or thereabouts it's two rolls of uh, the uh, uh r r something product uh material it's laying on the on the uh, uh, what would be the the top side of the ceiling in the in the uh, uh, in the attic. In other words, I, right. I think you know what I'm saying. I'm getting my tongue yeah. twisted up here. Uh, and I'm trying to make a, a comparison between the blow-on uh, pricing versus using the radiant barrier from Home Depot, tacking it up there, and this kind of an analysis of the best approach in that regard. Okay. A 
blown on radiant barrier will typically block 65% of the radiant heat from coming through. Okay. And really, that's what a radiant barrier does is blocks radiant heat. A foil-type barrier blocks 95% of the radiant heat. Uh -huh. So really what you have to look at is, okay, how much is the spray going to cost me? How much is the roll-on going to cost me? The, the downside on sprays, and they work great when properly done, but the downside is there is the need to make sure that, one, the material is mixed properly. Even while they're applying it, it has to be mixed because what makes a radiant barrier spray work is there's metal flakes in it. And as uh -huh. it sits, the metal flakes will settle to the bottom of the can. Uh -huh. And so, you know, it's got to make sure that everything is mixed up well and, and that it's applied on the right thicknesses. You can, obviously, you could over-apply it and be just fine. But unfortunately, you know, when it's being applied, sometimes they under-apply it, so you got an area that's not doing what it's supposed to do. When you mm -hmm. use a foil-type barrier, it's all pre-done for you already. I mean, granted, you got a, the hassle of stapling it up there, but the thickness is set. The 95% is there regardless of operator error. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's, a, well, the, the price ratio... Uh, is really attractive too, uh, with the radiant barrier, the the uh, material as opposed to the spray on. I mean, you know, four or five thousand dollars to spray on some stuff uh, seems. Uh, and of course, I know labor costs and everything goes into that. Sure. It's not just material. Well, uh, labor, labor, and and uh, equipment. You know, the, all yeah. that stuff's expensive nowadays. Now, I will tell you the barrier that I personally like to use. Uh -huh. is the Energy Q radiant barrier. The what now? Uh, Energy Q. Energy and, Q? Are you yeah, saying, like, the, like the letter Q for quality. Yes. And uh, they're, they're out of Colleyville. They sell the material. It's a multi-layer system. And rather than having to go through the hassle of stapling it up on the, the uh, roof rafters and everything... You literally lay it on top of your insulation like a blanket. So it keeps the heat that gets into the attic from getting into your insulation, allowing your insulation to work better. So you lay it on top of the insulation. You don't, you don't tack anything to the rafters. Correct. Wow. So it's quick and easy to install uh, and does a wonderful job on the cooling and heating of your home because, you know, it's down on the insulation rather than... Yeah, because when you got it up high like that, when you staple it up, you're still going to get heat in the attic. Yeah. You're, 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 you're lowering the mount, but you're still going to get heat in the attic. So that still gets down into the insulation. By laying this on top of the insulation, you're keeping the heat that does get in the attic from penetrating down into your insulation and where you can really feel the difference... Uh, on on my house, for instance, I, a third of my house really has no insulation at all. All I have is that radiant barrier. But when uh -huh. I pull the attic staircase down, I don't get that burst of hot air coming into the home. Yeah. When I go wow. up there and I move that radiant barrier blanket aside, boy, then I feel it. I, I mean, did. it makes a huge difference. Helen, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hello, Jim. Hello. 
The first thing I want to let you know is that your company came out, did a foundation check for us, and good news, we did not need you. <laughs> so well, that I can't was make good. a living that way. I got I kids know. in college. No, I'm teasing you. <laughs> I know you can't, but it sure made us happy. And also, we used Matt with U.S. Tree Service, and we're very pleased with very, him. Uh, he he so. does a great job on the trees. He was very personable. Yeah. The the question I have for you today is: I want to put on my ceilings, uh, like beadboard, not that real skinny. Yeah beadboard but you know the wider plank looking stuff uh-huh do you have to take the uh, uh the the board down i can't think of the, the sheetrock sheetrock no, can ma'am. you put it on top of the sheetrock i would recommend you go right over the sheetrock well how do you find out where to attach it to well that that's the million dollar question but it, it's actually very easy you just really? basically locate where the Ceiling joists are, once you mm-hmm. find the first one, they're going to yeah. be on set centers, whether it's 16 or 24 inch. Mm-hmm. When, when was the house yeah. built? Uh, 82. Uh, more than likely, 82 is going to be right in that time period where they played with the 24. But uh, the way you can usually tell is look across your ceiling. If you see little sags in it, mm-hmm. you know where it looks kind of like a little wave, that's normally going to have a 24-inch center on it. Okay. If it's if it's nice and straight looking going across, then it's probably on 16-inch centers. And like I said, you once you find the first one, then you just start measuring across, uh, and that tells you where your centers are. You want to put your board in the opposite direction of the ceiling joist. Oh, okay. All that right. way, that way you're able to nail into the the two bys and once you that find them sense. yeah once you find the boards that way it's easy to just keep coming on across okay now does that just come in a board gym or like a six by eight or something like that or well you can get it in you know six foot wide six eight foot long or 12 foot long 16 foot long boards uh or you know depending on what style you're going for sometimes they do have them in double wides but most of the time, it's going to be in a single wide width. And that would be easier to install, wouldn't it? In, y- yes, ma'am. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, where do you find that? At a lumber yard. Your box stores, Home Depot and Lowe's, are typically not going to carry it. Yes, you'll, you'll end up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go go into a regular lumber yard like uh, a McCoy's or 84 Lumber, one of those type of places. Okay. And a real wood store will have it. Are they in McCoy's or 84? Are they in Arlington and Fort Worth area? They are. Okay. All I'm right. just not sure where their locations are as compared to where you're at. One room still has the popcorn ceiling in it, so we'll be yeah. able to put it right over that? You can. I, I normally would try to scrape that off, but okay. uh, you can go over it. And does it come already painted or some that can be painted or uh, most of the time it's going to be raw wood that you'll have to paint oh okay yeah well, I thank you very much you're welcome I Helen you take Saturday. care love your show thank you ma'am <laughs> thank you bye-bye bye-bye Lawrence you're gonna end up being the last call of this hour how can I help you yeah Jim about three months ago I was brushing my teeth I smelled some sewer gas in my bathroom sink 
I went ahead and filled the sink up with hot water, put a little OxyClean in there, drained it. It helped, then eventually went away, and it started up again about three or four days ago. Is there something? I took the trap off clean as a whistle. And the trap did have water in it, correct? Absolutely. The trap had okay. water in it and was clean. Well, the sewer gas you were smelling, was, did it have, was it really sewage or was it more of a sulfur smell? No, no, no sulfur. It was a sewer smell. Okay. We have an we have an aerobic septic tank. Yep. And it's we put pellets in it every four of them every every month. Yeah. Every and and it shouldn't have anything to do with that. My guess is somewhere is there an overflow for that sink? Yes, sir. There's an overflow in the sink. Yep. And I'll bet you some of the debris is hung up in that overflow. And yes, sir. That's what's giving off that sewer gas. Okay, you know, so you don't think I have any problem with the, the, the bench stack from the roof? No, nah, I don't think so. I think it's going to be right there in the sink itself. And I'll, I, like I said, I'll bet it's going to be just in that overflow. You probably had a, a buildup in the P-trap. You got that cleaned out, but the overflow is still going. With that, everybody, have a great week. Don't forget, use our website, THIPro.com, as a resource for yourself. Let's hit the phones and talk with Brooke. This is Jim. How can I help you? there. Um, I have a question for you um, about caulk, but it's around windows. I have an eight-year-old home, and it's close to water. There's a, a, a small lake nearby just out past our backyard. Our caulking around our windows is turning black, and nothing that my husband puts on that um, black area will make it change color. So it's really kind of unsightly. I don't know if it's a problem, if it is a problem, I don't know how to get it out. And if we do get it out, I'd like a recommendation about um, what kind of caulk should should we use that we hope wouldn't do that again. And how old is the caulking you have? It's eight years old. It's as old as the house. Okay. What's happened is you've got you've had some mold and mildews that have grown grown into the caulking. They probably use just a uh, a regular latex caulk or something. And if you will, the only way you're going to get that out of there is to basically cut it out and replace it with some new caulking. Uh, if you do, use a siliconized caulk. And they actually make some that have a, a mold inhibitor in them to keep that from happening again. And it really has nothing to do with the uh, water that you have nearby because it happens whether you're, you know, 10 miles from the nearest lake or right next to it it's really just the it's really just the the uh, humidity levels that we have in the houston area well is it is it a dangerous thing if you see that you should get it removed or is it just um if you don't like the looks of it you should remove it if you don't like the looks of it you should remove it but be prepared on a new home you are typically going to have to redo the caulking around the windows uh, repaint the house and all that within the first 10 years we have hardy plank in, in, on most areas, not every area. So we're hoping we won't have to do it quite as soon as that. But yeah. um, now, is a caulking replacement something? I'm, I doubt that we are going to do it with two stories. Is there somebody you would recommend to do that? A painter. A painter. Just get a, any painter would do that yeah. normally. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you for your advice. I appreciate it very much. You bet. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Larry, how are you today? Hey, I'm good, Jim. How are you? Doing wonderful. How can I help good. you? 
Hey, I got a quick question. Um, I have a garage. It's a two-car garage. Uh, it, it doesn't have any windows, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of working on converting it to a man cave. Uh, and um, I wanted to get an idea of what I can do about getting that thing cooled off. Okay. So when you convert it, are you going to keep it air-conditioned all the time? Pretty much, pretty much. Even when I pull, I, I may pull one car in, but I'll, it'll just be just to open the door real quick and then close it and, and keep it keep it cool. So are you going to pull in the wife's car or are you going to pull in the hot rod that you want to work on? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pull the wife's car in. <laughs> oh, that's not a man cave. No, I'm teasing you. Um, okay, if you're going to air condition it, then you could go ahead and insulate it. Um okay. And there, there are some retrofit insulations that can be injected into the wall. Mm-hmm. Homesolate, and they're actually based here in the Houston area, uh, does it. And they do a great job, and it gives you an extremely high R value. I, I preface this to everybody, though. If you are not going to in, uh, uh, keep it heated and cooled, do not insulate it. Because oh. insulation, if you don't have air conditioning going the insulation will absorb the heat during the day and it will maintain a hot garage all night long because it doesn't give up that that uh, heat until well into the next morning okay okay all right now if you're not gonna and this is for everybody and this may apply to you as well if you are not going to heat and cool it on a regular basis, say you want to just turn that air conditioner on once in a while, right. take a look at using just a radiant barrier instead. Okay. And the radiant barrier gives you, you know, gives you the ability to lower the temperature in the garage a little bit. But when you are running the air conditioning system, uh, it helps to minimize how big of unit you need and all that. Got it. Okay, yeah, because I was just going to put one of those portable uh, units out there. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I think what you're going to want to do is then use the radiant barrier. They actually make a bubble type radiant barrier that you can attach to the garage door. Mm-hmm. And so, because that's going to be your biggest heat gain is that garage door. And that will really minimize that and make it where that unit can uh, make that room a lot more comfortable for you. Well, that music means i got to take a quick break. On Texas Home Improvement, we're going to listen to news, traffic, and weather, and we'll be back with more Texas Home Improvement. And let's talk with Janice. How can I help you? I have heard some advertisements about you put screens on your windows and they make your house burglar-proof and hurricane-proof. Uh-huh. I just wonder, are are these ads legitimate? Ma'am, I got guys working for me who could break into a tank, so I don't think it's going to make the house burglar-proof. But <laughs> uh, well, you know, they show hitting them with a ball, yeah. uh, pipe and a baseball bat. I'm yep. primarily interested in the hurricane aspect because I no longer have someone to help cover up sure. the windows and doors and all that stuff. And there's a lot of them, but it's yeah. a lot of screens. But if you know, it would be something I wouldn't at ha- one-time job. I might be willing to consider it. Absolutely are window coverings like that that you can put on that make it where you don't have to board the house up uh, for hurricanes and such. 
So for that aspect, yes. Uh, as far as for breaking in, yes. It, it, it probably keeps it for they can't break in through the glass. But there's other ways they can well, get into yeah, the home. Yeah, I, I know. So. If anybody really wants in, they're going to get in. Exactly. But it may slow but down. But yes, absolutely, absolutely, they do make those type of covers for hurricanes and such. Uh, I'm not sure how much, you know, they're asking for that. But uh, I had, have, I had have you gotten any prices yet? No, because I didn't even want to have to start dealing with them unless I knew a little more about what I was getting into. Yeah. Other, I had often wondered why I couldn't do plexiglass instead of plywood and just have them put in in the beginning of the season and taken out because then uh, because I could the, see in and out. But would that the, be Well, the plexiglass does, will not hold up to the weather. Oh, okay. Uh, it'll, it'll do fine for the hurricane, but as it ages, it'll start getting these little spider web looking cracks in it and stuff, and it just, it just won't stay looking good. So probably if I just want to cover... The, the screens they're advertising are probably the better choice. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Appreciate it so much. Thanks. All righty. You take Bye -bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sharon, this is yeah. Jim. How can I help you? Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, two quick questions. Um, number one, a problem with a strong urine smell in the attic. Um, we're assuming, there, although there's no evidence of it, that um, rats have gotten up there. So my question is, um, is there a chemical or something you can spray or should, uh, does the insulation need to be replaced um, to get rid of that smell? Uh, if they actually got into the insulation and left all that urine in there enough where you're smelling it that way, it mm -hmm. really is going to have to be replaced. Right. Now, over, um, over time, it would dissipate. Right. Uh, but it, it's going to take it a while. The bigger thing is to get rid of the critters first. Right. Um, well, we had the house inspected. This is a house in Florida. Um, um, the guy came over to inspect it, but he didn't see any evidence of the critters. But because it needs a new barrel tile roof, there. They're either, oh. It's either squirrel or something. It's getting in there yep. somehow. It's so, more than likely it's squirrels because they they love to go into those things and they'll make a mess in there. Uh, the other animal that will do that is raccoons. Right, and and uh, we we couldn't find any big holes, but there were a couple of broken tiles. So we're assuming we we I mean we know they're getting in somehow, and I knew I'd have to replace the roof, and I anticipated that. But they said the strong urine smell, so I figured I had to replace the insulation, but I thought I'd talk to you. Um, so that's not a surprise. I, and then the other thing was he noticed um, there was a mold-like substance inside the air handler, and I have allergies, and so I'm wondering, should I replace the ductwork um if we take this place, or should, or is there a chemical clean or anything like that that I could use? Well, ductwork can be cleaned, but if it's mm -hmm. in the air, it's in the air handler. You said. Uh, yeah, he said it was a mold-like substance inside the air handler. Okay, first thing is to have that all cleaned out, mm -hmm. and uh, truly, what you may want to take a look at is they they do make some uh, cleaners. Uh, mm -hmm and UV lights and stuff that you could put in that air handler right. to, to keep that from happening again. 
okay, the air conditioner is only four years old, so I, I, something is wrong because he's seeing that the seams need to be sealed. And I thought, oh, this uh, is a somebody, old... Somebody did a bad install job. That's exactly right. And and this lady is very old, and I'm sure they took yeah. advantage of her. So you know, and, and, that's, that's a, and that's just like the call we had just a minute ago. Right. Uh, that, and that's a shame because an AC unit installed properly you're going to get 20 years out of it. Yes. At least. That's right. And when they do these sloppy installs and stuff, that's where you only get the 10 years out of it and and then mm-hmm. you got to replace it again. Yeah, cuz they said and you said there was some mold on a coil. I don't remember exactly would it be um whatever coil is there uh, in the it, air Yeah, it'd be the coil up in 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 the, the it'd be uh, it'd be actually the same thing that we were talking about a minute ago. I heard up that in the call, attic there. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay, so, Reba, do you have any idea, well, I'm sure you must have some kind of idea, um, on replacing for 1,600 square feet, do you have any um, idea about approximately how much it should cost to replace insulation? The big, the big question is the access to it and how easy it's going to be to get the old stuff out. And so right. I really don't have a, a clue don't on that. Don't have a clue. Um, yeah. Yes, I know I need to replace the roof. So yep. I'm thinking I would have that to would be the time to do it. Yeah, because there is some fascia fascia damage. So you know I know that needs to come off, but I don't know obviously until they take the tiles off if there's uh, damage to the uh, plywood or not. So, um, but I'm assuming it must be. Um, yeah. So okay, so that yeah, so I should have the roofer come over and and take care of that and then and do the insulation at the same time, which is what I anticipated. So, yep. all right, very good. So uh, you think the chemical, though, on the inside, I'm most concerned about the um, uh, the ductwork, uh, if there is, because I don't want that mold blowing through. Yeah, so. the, the, the duct cleaning is relatively simple. So once the okay. other problem is taken care of, cleaning the ductwork, if it even needs it, will be okay. minor. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for your call. I mean, for your now, time. <laughs> okay. When you when you move down there, make mm-hmm. sure you can continue listening to us on iHeart. You know. Oh, I do. When I go, because my kids are in Florida, so when I go, I do have you on the weekend. I have my son even listening to you. I don't there remember you what go. station it was on, but yes. Well, thank you so much, and I really enjoy your program. Thank you, ma'am. Take care. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hello, yes, Thomas. Sir. Hello. Hey, How can I, I help a... you? Yes, sir. I got a leak that's uh, going up through the middle seams of my driveway, and I'm not too sure if it's uh, coming from the house or from the street side. I have, uh, you know, shut off all the water from the house and checked the meter, and it doesn't run. And then I tested it out again by turning on one of the spigots, and it was obviously running at that point. And we had a plumber come out also, and his main question was that there's a shutoff valve in the garage. And his main question was if it was on the right or left side. And it, it's on the left side of the garage, which means that it wouldn't, that the line wouldn't possibly run across the driveway. So I was just right. wondering what your opinion might be. And is, it, is there water coming up through the driveway all the time? Yes. Now, it's coming through uh, nine day. During the day alone, at one point, it was uh, evaporating. But then at night, you know, you would see it in the morning. Sure. Okay. Well, there's one or two things it could be. Either a really bad sewer leak, which I very seriously doubt, right. or it is the city main has a leak in it. Okay, that's and, what I was hoping for, actually. And that's that's what I'm guessing is it's going to be the city main, because if you shut the water off, all the water in the house off, and the meter's not spinning, that, that means you don't have a leak in your line. 
Right. That makes it a that makes it a city line problem. Okay, that's what I wanted to ask your opinion on. You were ready for a new driveway, anyways. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. You bet. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Barbie, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? I have a question oh. about foundation repair. Uh huh. And so we just recently bought a house, and you can tell that the foundation has shifted. Um. Part of the house is more than the other. I think the most shift is about three inches. And of the three people that have come out to look at our house, we've gotten three different results. So one person says that we need to fix half of the house. One person says we need to fix all of the perimeter of the house. And one person says that we need to put beams under the house as well as the perimeter. So how do I know which one is right? Well, a lot of it has to do with common sense. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of crooked contractors in the foundation repair business. And so you do have to use a little common sense when you're getting work done. Uh, look at the home. The areas that have cosmetic damage, you know, the cracks and things, that's typically the side that needs to be done. And normally what you do is you set up and you take elevation readings of the foundation to tell what's high and what's low. And when you underpin and start picking up, you can normally reach out about six to eight feet, uh, which as you come up with the house, that's how far in it would reach. So if your settlement reaches in further than that, in other words, it's sloping, say, from the middle of the house all the way out to the exterior, then sometimes okay. you do have to do interior piers. That well, then that makes most, more sense to me. Yeah, most homes don't require interior piers. Not saying, but I mean, I have to do them all the time as well. Uh, it, it just depends on how far in it reaches. But like I say, if your breakover point is, say, eight feet in, you typically don't need any interior piers. If the breakover spot is 15 or 20 feet in, yeah, you're going to need interior piers. Thank you so much. That tells me so much. And now I can go back and look at what they've drawn out for me and given me the different readings, and I can make a lot more sense out of that. I really appreciate your time. Now, Barbie, you need to call one more company if you haven't called them, and that's Due West Foundation Repair. That's my company. And you know, actually, my... they're supposed to come out, but they can't come out and see us um, except a week from Tuesday. So we already have them on the call list. Well, uh, it'll more than likely be my son, Johan, who comes out. And he is a licensed professional engineer, so he will shoot straight with you what you need. Well, that'll be great. Well, we look forward to meeting him. All right. Barbie, you take care. Thanks again for your time. Bill, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Uh, hello. Thank you for taking my call. I've got a question about uh, air conditioning. I've got a great room. It's probably about 25 by... I won't say 15, but it'll, my question is, I did some remodeling, have some air conditioning work, and I noticed that when the guys put the, uh, the venting and the, the lubers or the little grates uh, back up in the, there's one on each side of that room, and the room is vaulted, and it angles up high to about 19 or 20 feet, and there's a skylight right in the middle, like a tube-like skylight, but the the, uh -huh. the, the, the the grates are pointed toward the wall. So when when the air comes out, the, the air is directed towards the wall instead of directed toward the middle of the room. Right. Is that correct? Because it, it, 
Well, it directs towards the wall because it hits the wall, circulates down, and then, you know, kind of makes a circle pattern around the room that way. Oh, okay. I was wondering if I need to turn, if they had put those up back, when they finished, did they put those back up properly or should I turn them around? But if, if you can if turn them around, but what you, what, you're, what you will find is a lot of times if you direct it towards the wall that way, uh -huh. you're more comfortable because it, it spreads the air out better and it's not blowing directly on you. A lot of okay. times if you turn the vent to where it's going to the middle of the room, it's blowing directly on you and you sit there and freeze every time the AC comes on. Okay, that makes sense. And, and plus right in the middle of the room, there I, I have this... Uh, Skylight too. It's one of those tube-like skylights that. Right, uh, the solar tube. Right, and and I'm I'm wondering also if I direct that that to the middle of the room, will the will that uh, heat uh, dissipate? The, I mean, will the cool air dissipate quicker because it's headed right toward the middle of the room where that sunlight shines in? Yeah. Does that make any difference? Uh, not really. You know, the, okay. the, the whole thing is to just keep the air circulated throughout the room so that the temperature stays balanced better. Okay, so so at the direction that it's pointed now, with the deflecting off the wall, that's that's not a problem. No, not at all. You, okay. You'll find a lot of times, especially if you got like a sliding glass door or a wall of windows, they'll they'll direct the AC vents directly on those items in order to okay. circulate the air better, because otherwise those items will heat a room up. But okay. typically the solar sense. tubes, they really don't heat it up. Okay. Thank you. You bet. Thank you, very much. you take care. And again, our number, 214-787-1080. That's 214-787-1080. And, you know, it is important how an AC system is put in, and there's a lot of different ways of putting them in. Uh, but the big things... Are to make sure that there are, that the vent going to the air conditioning system is large enough, and that the uh, the line, the vent line that goes to the unit is large enough so that it doesn't choke the airflow down uh, when it's going to the unit. Because that's you know th that's basically how an air conditioner works: is it sucks the air in, cools it, and blows it back out. And if if it's got a struggle to pull the air in the system is not very efficient. Will it cool the house? Absolutely. But not as good as it could, and more so, not as cheap as it could. Anytime the unit has to work harder to do its job, you're paying electricity. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned at the, the beginning of the show, I'm, I'm doing some uh, texturing. We've been sanding and stuff. I already changed the filter on the AC system because the the filter got so clogged up and I'm using pleated filters that I could hear it struggling to let air through it to the system. And I want that air conditioning system on because as we're texturing and, and you know patching sheetrock and stuff, it's a dehumidifier. So the texture and sheetrock mud will dry quicker so we can keep going with the project. You gotta keep all the units working the way they're supposed to, otherwise, you're wasting money. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, Grantham there touched on was the water infiltration. There is nothing that is going to tear your home up faster than water. You know, when you see, when you're driving out in the country and you see old homes that have collapsed and fallen down and stuff, 
it is always because they had they ended up getting leaks and water started rotting off the boards and it literally will fall in on itself if you know you've got something that's leaking or water getting onto wood wood and water do not mix you've got to get that taken care of and that's one of the reasons when people call in and ask about wood floors in the kitchen I tell them no all the time ah, ooh, hit my head there uh, you just you don't want wood in a wet area it doesn't hold up it's not made to hold up in those in that kind of environment so anytime you're doing something in a wet area you, you want to use a tile or, or something other than wood. But on the outside of your house, if you've got leaks, if you've got holes that got knocked into siding, if you've got a roof that leaks, anything like that, get it fixed sooner than later. The other thing people worry about once they've had some water infiltration like that is, oh, am I going to have mold? Once you stop the water, mold will die. It has to have moisture in order to survive. But if you continue to allow, allow that leak to be there, yes, absolutely, you're going to end up with mold and mildews and all kinds of stuff that will ruin all your building materials. So, again, get those leaks fixed. A building will last forever. I got cousins in Europe that have homes that are 400 years old because they've been kept dry. Keep your homes dry. Got to take a break for news, traffic, and weather. We'll be back with more Texas Home Improvement, 214-787-1080. Nail has paint peeling above the shower. Not an uncommon problem because a lot of showers above it have sheetrock. And as, the, as it gets moist, the paint peels off the sheetrock. The thing you have to watch for when you're painting is use the right paint for a wet area. Your flat paint that you used in the bedrooms is typically not the right paint to be using in the bathroom. Uh, you want to get typically something that's going to handle the moisture in the bathroom. Now, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, I've been remodeling the, the house for my parents to move into. I didn't paint the walls above the showers. I ran the tile all the way up to the ceiling. I like doing it that way because I don't have to worry about that peeling up there then from getting too much moisture up there. And let's face it, when you're taking showers, it's not just moisture that's going up there. The steam goes up there and that soaks into the paint. So where you may run flat or semi-gloss in the rest of the house, a lot of times in that wet area like that, you're better off to run a gloss and in many cases, even an oil-based type paint in order to keep that from happening. doesn't mean you can't paint with the same color. It just means be careful of what kind of paint you put up there. You know, one of the things that's available on our website is a members-only section where you can shoot emails directly to me. I answer those emails myself. And since we're talking about water and rotting and stuff like that, I got thinking, I had one that I just saw that came in, and I need to answer this question in writing to them still, but I'm in the DFW area. The molding around my garage is rotten. It is because water runoff from the roof above the window concentrates on both sides of the second floor window, then runs down the front 
of my home. I believe the mortar between the bricks under the window has broken down, allowing water to run behind the brick and stone wall. It's a facade. You know, and like I said, most homes are above this garage door. I realize I would have to remortar the those bricks and some stone and clean the stone and brick. They have stained from the runoff on both sides of the window has gutters. The question is, what else should I do to manage this water? I have read up about diverters. I am not sure if I need to add diverters. It has been suggested to add the ice and water shield product. I'm hoping flashing would be enough. Pictures are worth a thousand words. I would like to send you pictures of the problem. I want to know why the water is running down the front of my home. What is the best way to fix the problem? Who do you suggest that can repair the problem? Well, based on what I just read here, it almost sounds like to me that the gutters are flowing backwards. And so the water is going over the gutter getting into where it doesn't belong and running down on the front of the house, which is not a good situation. Now, the brick itself absolutely can be waterproofed. I mean, you, you, there's sprays you can put on it. But the first thing I would suggest on the brick is let's get it cleaned up. You can do a, a light pressure wash on it or and, and or use a product called Wet and Forget where you spray it down, it eats away all the things that are growing on there and gets rid of it once and for all for you. So that would solve that problem. Then after it's cleaned up like that, you can actually use a pump-up sprayer to spray a sealer on those brick, a masonry sealer, so that the moisture doesn't just soak in behind the brick again. And yes, you will have to, you know, tuck point is what it's called when you replace the mortar on the home to get it back up to snuff. Now, as far as the rotten boards, if you got water coming down on the back side of the brick, especially around a garage door, you know, those uh, those 2x8s and 2x10s that are around the garage door are not there to get wet. And if water's coming down on the back side, the back side is typically not painted. So the moisture soaks into that wood relatively quick. So not only will it start rotting from the back side out, your paint's going to start blistering off pretty quick as well because, again, it's not made to have water getting in behind it that way. So I would highly suggest that you get those boards off, get all the, the brick and everything cleaned up, redone, sealed up, seal around all those windows, check the gutters to make sure they're flowing away from everything like they're supposed to be. Then you can rebuild around the garage door. Hopefully you've caught it before it's causing any wood rot for you. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.